Rewatch Podcast. I'm Jen, your host through all things Greendale. And today we are back with what has now become the most controversial episode of Community. It is Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm really excited for your discussion about this. Uh, and you might have noticed that I said we, and that's because I've got a full house of wonderful ladies on this episode. So you know her because uh, she's my audio editor and I say Chels cut this quite often. It's Chels. I'm surprised I haven't cut this already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you have not heard our other two friends yet on this podcast, but we have Morgan with us. Hello. Hello. And then we have our darling friend, Megan Mann on here. Hi, Megan. Hello. Welcome, everyone. I am... I'm very interested to hear everyone's thoughts about this now extremely controversial episode of Community. (laughs) I don't know if you told us 10 years ago that this was going to be the one that really like sparked some controversy. Yeah. There's, there's like, there's a lot of them that could have also fallen into the category. There are so many. (laughs) So We haven't gotten to season three yet. No, we haven't. Don't you worry. It's all the fun, (laughs) more controversial stuff is coming. So before we talk about the big elephant in the room for this episode and then dive into a discussion. I'm going to do what we traditionally do around here, which is give you a plot summary and then the community quote of the episode. I had to choose two because I love these two so much and sticking with my tradition of basically using Troy for every community quote of the episode because he has a few gems in this one. So uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons is pretty simple. It is basically a bottle episode of community where the study group decides to play as it title might suggest an episode or an episode (laughs) a game of dungeons and dragons and the reason that they do this is because uh jeff recognizes that neil who gets the nickname fat neil at greendale um has been his mental health has been slipping and uh the group is concerned about him so they decide to do one of his favorite activities and play dungeons and dragons together unfortunately pierce gets left out of this uh whole conversation and I say unfortunately not because he's left out because it's very deserved that he's left out of this but unfortunately that means that Pierce decides to be a straight up villain in this episode and he's not a fan of the fact that he did not get invited to play and Neil did and that's what you missed on Community the community quotes of the episode are from Jeff, and I just love the way that Joel McHale delivers this line, which is, Britta, ask the stupid gnome where we can get a Pegasus. Um, and then Troy's quote of the episode, because I just love that he continues this throughout the rest of the series. He says, you're the AT&T of people to Britta. And it's just a great line. It's just a great line. It is um, really good. It really is. So before we dive into a discussion of the episode, Morgan and Megan, because you are first time guests here, we like to ask people, what is your community journey? So how did you hear about and fall in love with the show? Megan, do you want to go ahead first? You can go first. Okay. Um, So I started watching community because my brother was a huge fan and got the first season for Christmas when I was home from my sophomore year of college. And being stuck in a house with your parents for two weeks um, (laughs) is a lot. And uh, I ended up binging the whole first season and then trying to get my hands on anything from season two. And then my brother 
greatly regretted uh, ever introducing the show to me. <laughs> Love that. So good. So good. Um, Megan, what about you? What's your journey? Um, you guys wouldn't stop talking about it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so Who, me. For influencers. Yeah. So you guys wouldn't stop. And so I was like, fine, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) So I started watching it and I was like, and I don't know why I didn't watch it sooner. Because like everything that comes out of Donald Glover's mouth is just like, just pure genius. So funny. And it made me mad. Um. So yeah, you guys talking about Twitter. I was like, I feel like I'm missing something. And now, like as I'm rewatching it, I realize it was it's almost like the precursor to like guest guest stars, like how they are on what we do in the shadows now. Like mm. you look at community throughout like the series and you're like, how did you get all of mm-hmm. these people? Like these very famous people just keep showing up and it's very confusing. And like, cause that's how it is on what we do in the shadows now where you're just like, why is Mark Hamill here? <laughs> it's very, like, it's got just so it's, many guest stars that like, just so, so many. many different people. So many. And then, so like, you know, once you see that many people who show up across the series, you're like, well, I got to watch this. Yeah. I have to see what it's about. Well, I love that we influence people. That is our goal. We want You just to want to say you're an influencer. I, I do. It. I do just want to say that. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to have that title now, Megan. I am not going to put it on my business card. <laughs> influencer. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's it's so true. Also, 100% second, the Donald Glover. I just don't understand how he's so good at everything. Like, he's everything. Not, he's, he's not just, he's like talented in one area. Like, you know, some people are like, woohoo, I can be like, he can be a, a funny and dramatic writer and actor and performer, singer, rapper. Like, it's annoying. I just don't, just cap it. Just, it's annoying. No, he shouldn't be allowed to be this talented. And yet he is. Um, yeah, so I love that. I love that community is a lot of people's introduction to, to Donald Glover and all of that. But um, we're going to talk about this episode. Before we talk about the plot and some of the other the things that actually happened in this episode, let's get the elephant of the ro- in the room out of the way. Um, but I wanted to put a caveat for people because obviously podcasts are not a visual medium and, um, I am, I'm not black. Uh, I, we are all white women here. Um, and I don't think that the controversy surrounding this episode has been about the, the notion of blackface in this episode. Um, I don't, think necessarily and feel free to uh chime in and disagree with me i don't necessarily think we can answer if we believe that this episode is blackface because of the fact that this is not our lane to determine that um there are some great for those of you who are listening to this there are a couple of community podcasts and i will uh, reference them in the show notes who do have black co-hosts who've talked about this um their their perspective on on this and so it's been really enlightening to hear kind of their perspectives, um, on this particular element of this episode. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit, so instead of centering the conversation around whether or not this is blackface or we think that it is, um, what I wanted to kind of talk about what this 
uh, decision because all of us had to watch this episode via either buying it on Amazon or watching it on the DVDs because it's been pulled from all of the streaming services. Um, I wanted to talk about how instances of blackface uh, or perceived and or perceived blackface have been handled by creators, networks, and streaming services recently, because this isn't the first example that we've seen of this, including the pulling of this particular episode from streaming. So was the response in the, uh, in the case of community, um, this episode being pulled, do you think that this response was handled well, in your opinion? And how does it compare to maybe some other shows or examples that we have of shows with, with blackface being pulled from streaming services? So I'm going to let that floor be opened to everyone at this point. So I have a question. Sure. I, and I feel like maybe I shouldn't give my social media out at the end after saying this, but I don't watch The Office. So um, they had an episode that was pulled. 30 Rock had an episode that was pulled. It's always 30 Sunny Rock had, had multiple episodes. And so did, did The Office have an episode that was pulled? One. Yeah. They yeah. had an episode. Yeah. They had one episode. And then... Um, 30 Rock had a couple episodes. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia had a couple episodes. Um, oh. And so I don't I don't know how it was handled on on um Oh, you are in right. terms of the office. the office. I don't it's know how that was handled on that episode, right but Christmas. Yeah. yeah. But I liked that in this episode, Shirley goes, We're not gonna talk about this hate crime. Mm-hmm. Like she straight up just says, No one's gonna address this. Like at all because on the other shows it wasn't no one really addresses it it just happens so in the office they cut the scene out because it was so short but I think in regards to the Shirley thing we talked about this with um Caitlin Durante about Mm -hmm. some of the women how they would make a joke say Britta being a lesbian they would make the joke let it sit there or make a joke against the women so you still got to laugh at them but then it's like oh that's bad oh, there's the hate crime. So you're still allowing people to laugh and engage in a joke, but then you're just having a little aside. Oh, we're going to let this hate crime. And then it's just so quick. It is. That's the thing. It's almost community being like trying to be subversive and being like, well, we're getting ahead of the joke because we're, we're, we're talking about how offensive it is. So then it's okay that we're saying how offensive it is if we're making a character pointed out. And I think like when we talked about that, it's kind of like, that is a discussion in and of itself too. Like, is it okay to do it if a character in the show thinks it's wrong and points out how wrong it is? Or is that still contributing to the problem? Like, cause you didn't have to put that joke in there. Like you didn't have to put this whole reference, but is them, you know, and they, I listened, I wanted to listen to see if the commentary made any sort of reference to it. So I listened to the commentary track for this episode and legitimately the commentary track is Dan Harmon, uh, Joe Russo, who directed this episode and, uh, Andrew Guest, who wrote the episode and Joel. And I think that the only brief mention of it is Joel pointing out that he likes the line that Yvette delivers is like, Oh, like, I like that she has that line and she says that thing. But that's it. That's There's no discussion about it. There's no further unpacking of that particular um, decision to include that joke or that reference or whatever. And it's worth mentioning the complete lack of Black writers or any writers yeah. of color really maybe sans one or two throughout the entire 
series run. Yeah. So these are decisions that, one, they should not have been making in the first place. Two, if you took that scene out, it does not change the episode at all. At all. Mm -mm. Nothing. It actually probably makes it a little bit better because you don't have to worry about that. And it's like the only part of the episode where Shirley has anything to do mm-hmm. is call out the racism. Well, and then moment. because once the episodes get started, Shirley has only a couple things to do, like a couple more lines. She doesn't yeah. do anything else. And I will say, I forgot that this isn't Shirley's mention isn't the only thing that gets said. Pierce calls like Pierce, mm-hmm. like before he kills uh, Chang's like character in Dungeons, like in the Dungeons Dragons game he points it out. Like, so obviously they make another reference to it. And of course they could also say, well, it's Pierce. It's okay if he says things that are racist because he's racist. And then it goes back to the whole circular argument of like, is it okay for them to point it out because this character is a terrible person? Like, and and that's kind of a circular of like, is it, is it better for someone to write a joke that is meant to be, either overtly or perceived as racist if the character who calls out the particular joke is known for being racist. And it's kind of like, like, and and as Charles pointed out, I think that one of the biggest issues too is that there was very inconsistently any writers of color and, and I'm really hoping that I'm wrong and can fact check myself and say that there was at least one black writer, but I don't think that there was in the entire six years. and that in and of itself is a problem. Um, and especially when we're talking about these, this controversy with this particular scene in this episode, I think it's very apparent that there was not a voice in the room that said, oh, yeah, about there that. Voices at NBC at the time thinking, mm-hmm. hmm, because yeah, it's truly during this small well, span of time, the, the Office 30 mm-hmm. Rock. And community all got episodes through so many layers mm-hmm. of producers and studio mm-hmm. and executives just going, oh, this is fine. And see, like, fine, with, even though it has nothing to the show. No. And with, like, okay, so I, I couldn't find it, and I'm so mad I didn't, like, bookmark it because, again, when I agreed to this episode five months ago, <laughs> we didn't know that this was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So I wish I would have bookmarked it and thought about like, oh, I can reference this when we record it. And there was like this string of tweets and with this guy who was saying the episodes shouldn't have been pulled because then, because if we could still watch them, we could say, why did this happen? Why was this allowed? Why are we not learning from this? Like the 30 Rock episodes, right? Here's the thing. Tina Fey apologized and said, "These epi- th- those instances didn't need to happen. But you are the head writer, so you let them happen. That's the problem. Like you were like, yeah, that that's fine. That's cool. And You're Tina the head Fey, writer. <laughs> as a head writer on multiple shows has allowed Blackface and Yellowface to happen with Kimmy Schmidt and Saturday Night Live. So so this is a frequent thing she's not learning from. She is saving face. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love Tina Fey, and she inspired a lot of me a decade ago, Mm. it is okay to say, your heroes are kind of crap. Yeah. Yeah. I am a big fan of put the warning in front of it and say, this is horrible, should not have happened, whatever you want to put in front of it. Yeah. Because a couple of things on Disney Plus have that now. Where they're like, hey, there's not Aristocats. Don't worry. That's still super racist. Um, But there are a lot of things that say now, like, 
the the content in this uh, movie is dated. Mm-hmm. Like these are things that we shouldn't have done, but like yeah. take these scenes out and then the movie wouldn't make sense, whatever. <laughs> but like, yeah, like I said, no, like Tina Fey, she says now they shouldn't have happened, but you let them happen. You mm-hmm. let them happen multiple times. So yeah. the whole series of tweets was essentially saying like, they should not have been pulled specifically so we could watch them and say, this is why this shouldn't have happened. This mm-hmm. is why it is offensive. Yeah. This is why we need to be better. And this is what we need to learn from and moving this forward. This is why you need to hire better yeah. and cast better right. and have executives there to be like, mm, no. Well, and that's what I will say. I really, so so the, the instance that I go back to and how I feel like, there, there's a couple of things and I 100% agree with everything you're saying. There's a couple of things in here of, um, it does not seem like Dan Harmon chose to pull this episode. It seems like the, the network and streaming services made that decision. I know with the case of Scrubs, because I listened to Fake Doctors Real Friends a while back, Bill Lawrence contacted the network and said, like, I want these pulled from streaming. Um, and, you know, again, he he has a pretty good discussion, and I'm going to try and link the episode, if I remember, um, with him and Donald's uh, Zach, um, Sarah Chalk, and, like, the producers of Fake Doctors Real Friends about the instances of blackface on the show. And, and the actors, what I really appreciated was that um, one, it was Bill Lawrence's decision and he, it, it's not like a, a network going, Oh no, someone could write bad press about us. Let's pull this thing down. It was the creator saying, yeah, this should have never happened. I should have never done this. And what I appreciated was that, um, Donald and, and Zach and Sarah said, you know, we should have spoken up. We, you know, there were times where I felt uncomfortable and I should have done, I should have stopped it. I should have said something. I should have done something. And Bill said, look, I was in charge. You were kids. Like I should have been the one who said, this is not okay. Even whatever context of time we were living in, I should have been the one to step forward. It was my show, my name, and I take responsibility for it. And that in and of itself, I feel like, you know, if you do that and learn from your mistakes, like that is something valuable to me. It was valuable to hear him take responsibility and to say, I made the decision to do this. It was wrong. I should have never done it. And now I'm going to, to pull this content and that's my choice. Um, I do waffle back and forth with like the, should we have kept it and put this like disclaimer of look, this was wrong. We're keeping this up here as evidence of like, we have done wrong and we're not perfect. Cause I feel like the danger sometimes is like, if you pull it and it often comes with like the networks and streaming services of saying, I don't want anything to be perceived as um, racist or offensive. So we're going to take it down before someone can say anything to us. And that feels problematic because then it's like erasing your mistakes without having to be held accountable for them. Yeah. It's like they're um, feel guilty and they're like, Oh man, we really shouldn't have done that thing. Yeah, so we're going to yes. take it down before anyone can like, See, and that's wrong, yeah. I feel. Like, own your shit. Yeah, exactly. Own so so like, you, you mentioned the part about, like, being afraid to speak up, and mm-hmm. that is why you need to have a very diverse cast and crew yeah. and everything, because there's strength in numbers, yeah. and a lot of people are worried about their jobs. So if yep. you're the only Black person on the set, or if you're the only woman there or something, mm-hmm. you're going to be scared of speaking up, because yeah. that's your livelihood. Yeah, state. exactly. You let a lot of crap slide whenever you're the only one, and you think your livelihood's in danger. Exactly. And that was the... That's and that's the, horrible for them to horrible, have to experience, because yes. mm-hmm. you imagine a vet was the only person, and 
and everybody else was just like, oh no, but they said it's yeah. bad in yeah. the episode. It's like, no, you probably made her horribly uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and that's like, not the first time that they've had, well, Shirley do that. And then it's also not the last time that they have Shirley kind of call out racism, which I mean, they have Troy do it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it seems extremely misogynistic as well as racist to have the only woman of color on the show having to consistently be the barometer for what's racist and not racist. Like there's, by taking this episode out, it kind of also diminishes the other awful stuff that happens later on in the series where, I mean, there's an episode where Britta says, I can excuse racism, but I draw the line at animal cruelty. And Shirley's like, you can excuse what? Which, when you watch it the first time or out of context, you're not so bothered by it. But rewatching this episode and having the full series in context kind of reiterates and highlights just how poorly they were handling Mm -hmm. people of color, women, and women of color. And I think that if the show, here's, here's my dilemma on whatever side you land on of like, you know, what this means to you, what this episode means to you. I think if I was genuinely looking at this in the context of saying, wow, okay, the show really went back and looked at its mistakes. It really just wanted to, you know, if it was Dan Herman's choice to do this, to really examine like where the show should have done better. There's an episode in season three where Pierce is in brown face. Like that is not pulled. That is, and we talked about this when we talked about uh, stuff earlier, the season one finale, it, it is a queer slur that is being used and that was not pulled either. Um, and it feels like if you're going to examine critically your show and look at your past mistakes, you would look at it holistically and say, what could we do now? I don't think that Dan is the one who clearly made the call to say, hey, I would like this episode pulled. It seems like it was a call that he did not make and it was made in that sense of we can't have anyone say anything you know we can't see this if anyone says that this episode is blackface we need to pull it before someone writes a hit piece on us about it versus like it's a retroactive response versus a proactive response to Mm -hmm. examining your own stuff and so like in the case and I go back to it in the case of Scrubs that was a proactive response by Bill Lawrence who said I'm looking at my show and I would very much like to take these three episodes or two episodes however many there were I can't remember down And also, I would like to talk about it with the people that I worked with. And I would like to discuss it openly and admit to my wrongdoings and mistakes and actively try and be better. That feels like a very natural, good discourse to have. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of those well-meaning moves that it's like, oh, you think you're doing something very good, but there are also like side effects of your good quote-unquote deed Mm -hmm. yeah so it's like you need to have these conversations and then maybe make a decision afterwards I know in the case of the community episode it's because other episodes and the other discourse Mm -hmm. was happening and the streamer was very reactive and took it down Mm -hmm. because if it was the creator's decision like communities on Hulu and Netflix and I think wasn't it Netflix that took it down Netflix took it down down first first. yeah it was still on Hulu the rest of the day Hulu took it down after the fact like many hours later because I I think I 
sent a text to Jen, hey, it's still up. Yeah, you're like, people were like, oh, I can still watch it on Hulu. And then by like the next day, it was off of Hulu Mm -hmm. as well. But it was still up there for a while. Yeah, I think that that's where I land on this is like, if you're going to do this, it feels like it was a response to, we can't have anyone criticize us. So let's pull anything that could be close to that and pretend it didn't happen. And that is not really adding to the discourse of why this is problematic or what this means. And, and that is in and of itself where I kind of fall on like, are you just doing this because you are afraid that someone's going to call you out on it? So you'd rather pull it, pretend it doesn't exist. I mean, there was that whole debacle with like the Golden Girls episode as well and things like that, that were happening. Again, this all happened pretty much within the same time frame of things mm-hmm. the same handful of days and yeah. it, the golden girls one is very stupid and there are much smarter people than us that can talk <laughs> about that one yeah. but but it was happening all around the same time so it almost felt like it was getting you know the decision to pull this one was getting lumped in with so many other like we just need to sweep sweep the network and see if there's anything on the streaming service that could be perceived as this and pull it and and not address the problematic reasoning behind it or not address kind of what went into that. And I think that in order to have productive discourse about this kind of stuff, you need to have, you need to have productive discourse about this. You need to have those creators owning up to why did you choose to do this? And do you see it as wrong? Cause like, honestly, at this point, I don't feel like I heard anything from Dan Harmon about this whatsoever. And I know that he's pretty social media silent at this point or whatever, I don't think but I this heard would have been a time where you say something. Yes. You know, like Tina Fey's not like really a social media person, but she sent out a letter and was like, look, these were wrong. I should have never done this. You know, I, I know I keep going back to her, but she's the only one that I can think of honestly that even said anything about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And hers felt like you said, like saving face where she's mm-hmm. like, I know I shouldn't have done it, but I did it anyway. And I'm taking them down out of respect for them. She's people. a repeat offender. So right. Yeah. And I'm letting you been, off easy Tina Fey. <laughs> and it could have been, even though this isn't like necessarily TV and there is an example of it where like Jenna Marbles on YouTube, right? She took down videos years ago because she was like, Hey, these are really bad. I shouldn't have done these. I'm going to take them down now. That's kind of what you were saying where it's like a proactive thing where mm-hmm. she's like, Hey, this was really bad. I took them down. I know it was bad. So you can't see them anymore. I did this years ago. And then, you know, people brought it up now. Whereas all of these TV shows seem like, well, we're getting called out now. So we're taking them down. And Mm -hmm. that's the end of the story. And like, I'm going back to that series of tweets where he said, I really wish I could remember exactly who it was, but he was like, we need to be able to keep them up for, to have that conversation of like, Hey, you, why'd you make this? What made you think, yeah, this is a good idea. Yeah. Like, what made you do it? And were there people in your writer's room? Were there people on your staff who were telling you, like, hey, maybe don't do that. And why didn't you listen if they did? So I think at the end of the day, them getting pulled now, almost all of them are, shouldn't. I mean, none of them should have happened, but all of them are more saving face than Mm -hmm. saying, I really made a mistake. Yeah. It should have never happened. I should have consult. Why didn't anyone consult anyone of color? Like, yeah. that's why don't you just thing. hire them in the first place and yeah. not the week before? Because you realize when you hired everybody, they're all white. Yeah. Right. Like I had a pitch for an article and I ran it by like three women. And I was like, is there anything in this pitch that is going to be perceived in the wrong way? Because I, that's not my intention. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. 
that's not even where I'm going with this. Is this like, is this language right? And that was a pitch for an article. Like this is a TV show that millions of people watch. Mm -hmm. What made you think? That's no. fine. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to run this mm-hmm. by anyone. Mm-mm. No. Mm. It's but fine. You have to look at Dan Harmon has, a, again, as much as I love community and so much about it, kind of followed a lot of my own like personal trajectory. He's not the best face to have as your creator of a show. He lacks accountability so frequently. Um, you know, I use Dan Harmon and Mark Marin as polar opposites in response to like Me Too and Time's Up, where Dan Harmon had instances of harassment in the workplace and he had to do a, you know, apology tour where you have someone like Mark Marin who was proactive in his response going like, hey, I was in circles with people like Louis C.K., who are terrible people. And I'd like to not think of myself as a terrible person, but I know I did terrible things. So let me atone for them. And if you want to do it publicly, that's you have the right to do it in that space. If you want to do it privately, I will give you that space too. But again, like Dan Harmon won't hold himself accountable. And watching the DVD, I watched some of the like the outtakes and stuff. Mm. And I can only imagine what that workspace was like Mm. for all of those actors because it just felt there's just an air of toxicity. Yeah. Yeah. Like as much as I love this show and I do enjoy watching it, um, I would not say, even though it ended, what, in 2015, so five years ago, Mm. um, a lot of the jokes have not aged well. Um, Like I'm sitting here and I'm watching it and I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> this is so racist. This is so wrong. This is so misogynistic. Mm-hmm. This is so sexist. This mm-hmm. is like some of the jokes. I'm like, how did that get through? <laughs> like, it's just, and it is, they, it's the amount edgy. of times they call Britta, like offhandedly, Pierce be like, nah, she's a lesbian, doesn't matter. And it's like, what? Why do you need to, any, let me rephrase this. Let me rephrase this. <laughs> how did, and I understand it was in the character, but how did 97% of the things that come out of Chevy Chase's mouth get pushed through mm-hmm. and say, yeah, that's a good idea to put that into a... And at the end of this episode, <laughs> it says in the voiceover narration that Pierce did not learn, learn anything. anything. Didn't learn anything. Like, right. But that's, the, that's what we're going back to is this idea of like, and we talked about it with Caitlin, this idea that Pierce was this like racist, homophobic, sexist old man. And they wrote him things to say so that they could get around the, these writing these jokes. Well, our other characters don't think that it's okay, but like Pierce thinks it's okay. And they're calling him out on it. So that's fine. Like, you know, it's fine if he has this like homophobic reference because he's supposed to be this way, but all the other characters know how wrong it is. So isn't that okay then if the characters know how wrong it is? And it goes back to that argument of like, if the characters call it out and say that it's bad, does that excuse you from putting it in there? Like repeatedly? Yeah. And again, you're also making all these homophobic jokes to a character that they call the worst all the time and who is viewed as a negative in yeah. every regard. Like, the fuck up. That, there, I used to... <laughs> you got like, one. And, you, and my question is, is I don't know... I don't, I've never listened to the commentary, so I don't know if this is um, intentional or not. But, like, 
every time Chevy Chase, or I'm sorry, we'll call him by his character because I don't know if it's intentional or not. I really don't. So we'll say Pierce. Every time he says Abed's name wrong, mm-hmm. I get so irate because I'm like, is it because it's your character that's getting it wrong because you're a crazy racist person? Or is it Chevy Chase who's getting it wrong because you don't want to correct yourself? And why is no one ever correcting him? And that bothers me because it's like, He's saying it wrong because it's a foreign name mm-hmm. at the end of oh, the day. But he's a computer, though, so you can call him by the wrong name. Yeah. <sighs> it just yeah, there are diagnosable. It does, it does make... There's, there's a lot of stuff that... And again, those of you who are listening to this, you know that it's no secret that we talk about how the show has not aged well, how there is not... We had a whole... Go listen to our almost three-hour episode about what the show has done to its female characters. And you will hear there's a lot of things that I love about the show. When the show was really great, it was really great. But there are a lot of glaring problems with it. And I think that if anything, what I'm grateful for is that this episode being pulled allowed the discourse within the fandom to happen of what is problematic and is this problematic? And maybe there are other things that the show should have examined and been pulled. And the discourse that's happening, I think over the last couple of years, especially like with social media and with the rise of Time's Up and Me Too is this idea of the thing and the people that you create, the thing that you love are not perfect. Therefore, how do you reckon with the fact that Dan Harmon has created a toxic work environment and is a toxic person himself. And yet some of the the things that have come out of community are really great, solid episodes of TV that are really wonderful. Like how do you hold those two intention and how do you reckon with someone who you is someone that you admire, but also then you find out did all of these terrible problematic things like, and the idea that we've, we've talked about multiple times on this podcast is that you can acknowledge that the thing that you love is broken and it's created by broken people. And you can change your opinion when you learn new information about things. When I was younger, I thought Dan Harmon was the best thing since sliced bread. I have since changed my opinion because I learned new information and I've grown as a person. And my hope is that we don't stop. This isn't the place where this conversation about communities issues when it comes to advanced Dungeons and Dragons ends. I hope that we continue to look at five, 10 more years down the line, the things that are problematic in the show, because, you know, as Chelsea and I have talked about before, we were younger when we were watching this show. We didn't necessarily have the critical thinking skills that we do now or the experiences that we do now. And so now that we've learned new information, now that we've grown and have been able to look at our media that we consume through a more critical lens, we're able to call things out for what they are versus years ago when we were not able to put words to why we didn't like something. And so I think that it's important that um, we continue these conversations because we should never blindly love something and be so naive to its faults that we just follow it without question. I think that that's where we get into danger and that's where fandoms get toxic. And we could spend a whole episode on that. Um, and, you know, we probably will spend lots of episodes on that. Let's be real. <laughs> so all of that to say that, um, that, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where... <sighs> kind of where we we uh we land on that do you either of you have any any more thoughts on this um on this particular episodes being pulled no i have more thoughts on pierce later yes yeah, can't wait for more thoughts on pierce later <laughs> yeah. also because i listened to the commentary and i found i did find that more um to be 
pretty interesting when I listened to uh, the commentary on um, on the this episode itself. So we're going to dive into this episode in a in just a slight bit, but um, I'm curious because this episode is called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And a lot of people really, really rank this episode high up on their favorites list of community. Did you guys know much about Dungeons and Dragons before going into this episode? And have either any of you played it before? Um, my dad was really into Dungeons and Dragons in the 70s. Oh! Not to age him. Um, <laughs> but he... Um, I found some maps one time in my grandma's house and I was like, what the heck are these? And he (laughs) drew these maps so that he and his friends could play Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, I'm like Uh, eight, nine years old going like nerd. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, so we, I never played it um, because I was very much against uh, doing that, but my brother plays it. Hmm. My my dad drew maps for it. So <laughs> Obviously. A, you know, there's a growing succession in my family of uh, Dungeons and Dragons players. Solid. <laughs> you have to get the lineage out there. It's true. Okay, I'll just make it the stereotypical male lineage. To there you go. That. <laughs> That's fair. I um, knew of it um, as a very nerdy person. I feel like you at least have knowledge of it existing. Yeah. Um, Not so much playing, although I'm surprised that I never played specifically because of how dramatic I am as a person. Um, (laughs) And my, uh, my, uh, uh, how do I want to say this? Um, my flair for constantly pretending everything is some sort of fantasy and story. Um, <laughs> I've, I've, I've literally met people like at Comic-Con and stuff where I just give that, I put on an accent and give them a whole fake story about who I am. And then, amazing. And then I just walk away because I'm not going to see them again. So there's so I many mean, people out there who've met you, but like different versions of yeah. you. Well, I've got to see what I can pull off. I got to see if people believe me. It's fine. Um, so with all of that knowledge about who I am as a person, um, which proves I'm very unstable. Um, it's, I, yeah, I never, um, played it ever. Um, but I did know, I did have knowledge of it. Um, especially because, you know, like I watched the big bang theory, mm-hmm. obviously we all watch stranger things. So, yeah. you know, there have been shows over the years too, that have referenced it because again, they're nerdy shows, mm-hmm. um, which goes hand in hand with being a nerd. So never played it though. Yeah. I know of it. I had known of it before watching this episode. Obviously, I feel like everyone's heard like Dungeons and Dragons as a phrase. Um, I feel like I knew that it was like some sort of role playing game, but I really didn't know like what it involved um, or that like there are different journeys that you could take and all these different things. Um, I have a feeling I feel like my friend's husbands still play it, um, but I myself never played Dungeons and Dragons. So I didn't know much about it going into this episode. Um, but it's interesting because I don't feel like I needed to know that, that much about it. Like, I feel like 
the show explained to me enough what it was that I felt satisfied. So I also don't like anything that doesn't have like a physical board. I think I think that okay, Troy. When he said shouldn't there be some pieces to Jenga? I lost it. I'm like but um yes much like troy i feel like there should be pieces to jenga and um yeah if i'm gonna play a game unless it's like you know charades or something which again i excel at um clearly you're used to living so (laughs) many lives (laughs) listen okay like i said lived so many lives your life is a game of charades i have to see what people will be willing to believe um and when you're in line for hours at comic i mean it's true gotta entertain yourself you have to entertain yourself somehow and if you can tell that that person behind you or in front of you is not going to be your friend beyond that day just have fun with it. Just have fun. So, yeah. I guess that's my rule for any sort of con. If you're in line for a long time and you're by yourself, because you're rarely with the people you go with. True. Um, I never saw Jen one week. It's, it's true. I've there. Yeah, it got to the point where, like, for comic cons, my friends and I would go out together for a few days before, so we could actually see each other yeah. because we you none of us liked the line. same things. So, <laughs> yeah. So, like, we'd see each other for Game of Thrones, and that was it. Yeah. Um, Megan's rule is: if you're going to stand in a long line by yourself, and you know you're not going to be friends with the people behind you or in front of you, just pretend to be someone else. Pretend <laughs> to be someone else. I meet all the time. Sorry if we've met before um and you didn't get the real me um but yeah yeah, I prefer uh board games and things like that yeah I prefer things to have physical pieces that's fair what about you Charles did you ever play Dungeons and Dragons no, I'm not a nerd. I, I guess you are a nerd. I just not said I nerd. play Pokemon. Like, <laughs> what never doesn't qualify to... that as nerdy? <laughs> it was a yeah. game. Okay, but there was nerds, a physical never... component. You are nerdy. You are such a nerd. <laughs> it's just, it's <laughs> like, actually yeah. kind of funny because, like, I feel like the the people that I the only people I knew who ever played Dungeons Dragons were guys. Like, I never knew any girls who played D anD D. So I don't think I do either. It was always like, oh, I have like lady friends that play D anD D. I just don't, and they're always surprised. <laughs> I mean, we established this. Yes, we've established. No, I'm just a different kind of nerd. It's true. We're all a little different. It's okay. Yeah, it's fair. So, um, so we're gonna talk about the episode now, Chelsea. I'm gonna correct you because I'm right and you're wrong, and here's why. So, in my notes, Chelsea tried to change this reference. Um, this episode, officially- do I need to pull out the internet movie database because I have it right here? No, I'm gonna prove you wrong because conspiracy theories happens before Asian population studies, and here's why. Jeff, oh, mentions- amount of order. Jeff mentions, yes, that it airs technically before conspiracy theories airs before Asian population studies. And Jeff mentions Fat Neil in the episode. So this episode he doesn't offic- appear. He doesn't appear, but I but but introduces means references in my in my opinion. <laughs> They mention this character. Who I am don't doing our darling Charlie Kuntz justice, though. He did not appear until Asian population studies. Okay. <laughs> because Chelsea and I have a disagreement about semantics. <laughs> officially. The internet movie database is on my side. Officially, the character himself is mentioned in conspiracy theories when Jeff tells Amy that they need to get to the cafeteria because he just saw 
at Neil and you don't know who this person is. So officially, we are not really introduced to him until later on. In this episode, the entire, and they talk about this in the commentary, this entire episode really hinges on Charlie Coons, who does a phenomenal job. And I love Charlie as he comes back and does other things in this uh, show. He's just so fun. But this entire episode hinges on this character that we really don't know anything about yet. So that was a risk in and of itself. And they talk about that um, and how they they auditioned people and they found Charlie and how um, just like how great of a job he did. And obviously in this episode. So the concept of centering an entire episode um around him and his mental health i feel like was risky because this is the, i mean it features the study group but it's really on this one person we don't really know a lot about but i wanted to touch on this episode's primary kind of uh, i don't want to say discussion because it really doesn't discuss mental health um but I wanted to talk about how we all thought that the episode handled this storyline with this new character that we're meeting. What about the discussion of mental health and suicide? Like, let's. To be fair, though, they do. They do they say. Do? Well, they do say, like, when Pierce comes in and starts being a jerk, yeah. he's like, that man is, or that boy that got whatever it is that he uses for the male yeah. pronoun. Um, he said, that person in there is severely depressed. Yeah. Like, you're mm-hmm. screwing with him, yeah. and he's severely depressed. So that's, yeah. like, the only time they, like, obviously really it's alluded of, yes. to when they're discussing Neil yes. as he goes, right, yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. And then, you know, but he says, that guy is severely depressed. Yeah. This is why we're doing this. We're doing this for him. Yeah. But my thing is, is, okay, so this is technically, like, a, for lack of a better term, this is a sitcom, mm-hmm. right? It's a comedy series. It's under half, it's 21 minutes. Like it's situations. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like, yeah, in terms of comedies, they tend to go more hand in hand with like tenderness and sweetness. Mm -hmm. And like you have those moments like that you're all waiting for in comedy series, like the the first time Nick and Jess kiss on New Girl, like everyone was waiting for that. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, again, I hate telling this because I feel like I really am going to get attacked on social media, but I don't watch The Office, but I can glean from the internet that um, when Pam and Jim get together, it is a big deal. Like, you know, when um, Leslie and Ben get together, mm-hmm. like, everyone was waiting for it. You know, the, mm-hmm. I feel like it more so tends to go with, you know, sweetness and tenderness and, you have a, like kind of sad moments, but mm-hmm. they're they're really less frequent. Those mm-hmm. are more for like dramedies or drama. Like you could, I guess you could argue that like <sighs> that uh, that a show like Girls uh, often discussed mental health because it's. I mean, the character of Hannah is based hinges off of like flying off the handle at all times, but. That I don't consider like a comedy in the same way I do community. Mm -hmm. But I think it's interesting that community did not one, but two within four episodes entirely circled Mm -hmm. around mental health. Because you had that Christmas episode where Mm -hmm. Abed has a stop motion animation Christmas dream because Mm -hmm. he's upset at the end when you finally figure out, okay, he's upset because his mom's not coming to Christmas to do their traditional thing. This entire thing is in his head because he is upset and, you know... You have these two episodes within four episodes. That was 11, and this is 14. Unless you're watching on Netflix now, now the next one is 14. But um, this is 11 and 14 were both heavy on mental health. So it's interesting that a show that is 
meant to predominantly be funny and bring joy and you know is that like 21 22 minutes they both center like yes the christmas one there were songs we were laughing whatever but when you realize what happened you're like now i'm really sad like this is like this is upsetting you know like why people like so i thought it was interesting and i thought it was very different for this show to have two episodes very close together centering around mental health um when that's really not at least what I've, I have not come in contact with very many comedy series that have mental health episodes focusing on something like these. I could be wrong. Yeah. I could be wrong. I mean, the only exception. During this time, mental health was still horribly stigmatized. It's true. Shows like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, like if a contestant was talking about their personal family, like mental illness and stuff, like that was actually seen as a big, serious, like thing and actually written about with some respect in that way. Like the show actually respected that. Mm -hmm. But it was very hard for people, especially like 10 years ago, to talk about this because we're still having troubles talking about it today. Yeah. So yeah. It was way worse 10 years ago. Yeah. For beyond. the only show that I have been, and I mean, I, everyone knows this who knows me, I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And that is this show within the last couple of years. That hasn't, that was only been a, that was four years ago and when it debuted. And that was very recent. And that was, people were talking about how groundbreaking it was that there was a show on television that was a comedy that was addressing really serious mental health issues through song. And for it to be four years ago and that being so revolutionary, it definitely is a commentary on the inability or the unwillingness for shows to necessarily tread into that territory, especially like you're saying, Megan, sitcoms. Sitcoms were like, you know, in the 90s, you know, you had like Full House that was like, let's tackle a really serious issue and we'll have the dramatic music, but it's always going to be like really simple thing, not simple things, but like things that were easier to kind of Uh, compartmentalize and talk about like, you know, death in the family and, you know, peer pressure and things and bullying and things like that, that were very family oriented uh, kind of topics. But it's, it is weird because like, I feel like a lot of times, yeah, there was this idea of, and a lot of what you just mentioned too, about the sentimentality in shows, when shows go deep, they usually tend to go deep with romance and love and relationships. And community was obviously, we talk about this historically, very terrible at writing romance and love and relationships that were not related to the study group and were also healthy. Um, So when it did go deep, it tended to kind of veer off, like you're saying, and use Abed as a vehicle. So what I think is interesting about this episode is that Abed isn't the vehicle that they're using to to talk about mental health, because then there's a couple, and we'll talk later down the line, Abed gets used a whole lot to talk about, you know, um, being um, like just potentially on the spectrum or like what we're what he's being classified uh, as. And they talk about this, I'll allude to this in this episode, but I feel like Dan Harmon and his writers used Abed as this example of like, Abed's atypical. So anytime we have to talk about something about mental health or um, a breakdown, I get, let's just use him. So for like the episode to take a risk and say, we have this entirely new character that none of you know, and we're going to talk about his mental health it weird, like it weirdly works for me because it's an opportunity for us to see how char- the characters are responding to someone else versus how you know Abed is perceiving the world, which I feel like is what they tended to lean toward when they needed those kinds of stories. Um, 
Yeah. But so, yeah. So I will say Mom is actually another sitcom that yes. does deal Mom with is mental health. Mom good. is so good. Like it's, surprisingly good. I was it shocked. Will, when it, I was it, shocked yeah. too. I thought like, is this, I, when I was like, Chuck Laura, I was like, mm, I don't know. And then I found, I have literally been weeping at episodes. <laughs> it's so my master's degree is in mental health. And so like mom was like my go-to if I needed um, a really quick like clip to use in a presentation. Um, but I find it interesting that they're using another character to talk about mental health because there's not a commitment to use mm. an outside character. So you don't have to have prolonged discussion about mental mm. health. Um, like if it was Annie or Troy, that would be something that you can't just have a single episode about and then move on from. But they also do talk about mental health because they talk about like Pierce and his addiction, mm -hmm. which is a huge part of the season. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I find that interesting, but it, it mirrors life very similarly because we're talking about suicide mm -hmm. and most people never want to outright ask another person are you having thoughts of hurting yourself? Are mm -hmm. you having thoughts of suicide? Because we assume that if we say the word that they're going to magically have that come and enter their mind. Um, so the fact that they're trying to discuss it in the most roundabout way is very true to the way that most people are going to try to tackle helping someone in a mental health crisis. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite is like when he sits down and you just see all of the characters just like just Troy's grin, like Britta's, Britta's attempt to like, uh, oh my gosh, I don't remember what she says, but it's so like, and he's like, dial it back. And that, well, and she's yeah. going to become a uh, licensed psychology major later <laughs> on. And so this would have been like a perfect mm -hmm. time for her to really yeah. get into it. But yeah. Yeah, I find it. You don't have the commitment if That's it was true. a member of the study. Yeah, group. and I feel like they're using him more to talk about Pierce's own addiction mm -hmm. and mental health, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And that is the through line because coming up soon is the documentary episode mm -hmm. where Pierce ODs and stuff and is in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So it is one of those things. It's like I have a lot of weird feelings about them using this character and like putting a bunch of trauma forward and then... Mm -hmm to like support this kind of horrible bully mm -hmm. racist misogynistic old man that they didn't know what to mm -hmm. do with Ugh. so it's it's kind of a mixed bag but I do yeah. think there's a lot of truth in what they're doing like you can be the person that accidentally bullies like Jeff mm -hmm. like he he probably did not like he just said it because especially during this time there was a mm -hmm. lot of body image jokes and mm -hmm. Sometimes you just say it and don't realize the impact of your words. And then you quickly see Jeff like clock that, oh no, this is what I did. Mm -hmm. And he tries to make it better because mm -hmm. he hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. And I think Which that's is, a very realistic turn of events. Which is an interesting, yeah, it was like a very interesting turnabout for, for Jeff from what we're used to seeing. Now, obviously he gets outed later on as like, this was your motivation. Do you know why that Jeff is trying to buddy up to you? Well, because he was the one who, you know, put this name on you to begin with. And so, but it is, a, it's, it's a very interesting it's a very interesting way for the show to have, like you said, like framed the narrative of mental health while also um, just, 
I would have loved though, because of the fact that we also do, do have like, we did, I do like at the very beginning that Annie is the one who like kind of sounds the alarm because she is an addict. And I've talked mm-hmm. about this extensively about how the show likes to forget that until it's convenient for them. And then sometimes warp it whenever they want it. But like, I liked that Annie was the one to alert, like, this is a problem. Like, because Jeff, I think wasn't able to pull, fully put that together, but Annie being like, Oh, hold on a second. I know that I know that this is probably not a good thing. And here's why. Um, and then to see all of the different characters reactions to that of like wanting to rally around um, someone and help them um, is, and on a Saturday, on a Saturday too. Uh, so they all took their time out to, to help this character, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting choice because um, you're, correct there's no commitment like there's no follow-through we can just have neil appear for this episode and then just be like send him on his merry way because he's fixed at the end of the episode yay they fixed it right. <laughs> like, and send him on his way and we'll he'll have he'll pop up whenever you know we we want him to and it doesn't require the same level of commitment of storytelling that it's like if we set annie or troy or jeff on this trajectory, we can't not follow through with it because we've made such a big deal of it um, mm-hmm. that we have to, because the audience is going to know if we don't follow through with it. So it is that kind of weird balance of, of doing that. And yes, even though this isn't a bottle episode necessarily, um, it does center around all of these different characters uh, and their emotions and helping someone um, work through their emotions. So, so I kind of liked that that balance of it. Um, but I will a hundred percent, we'll, we'll talk about this later. This episode, even before all of this, before Advanced Dungeons and Dragons became the most controversial episode of Community, it was never my favorite episode because of how unwatchable Pierce is in it for me. And we will talk Ugh. about that in a little bit, but let's talk about the more watchable people in this episode for us, which is the rest of the study group. So let's talk about, it's not a bottle episode, but we do get a lot of the study group around the table together, pretending to be characters in Dungeons and Dragons, grabbing character sheets, that were not intended for them. So let's talk about the characters and how they get invested in this game. I just want to hear everyone talk about what their favorite parts of these characters were because I think I know a few of these answers and I want I want us all to be able to. I mean, number one, Troy trying to attack the whatever with his additional <laughs> notes additional is note. maybe one of the He just I, additional notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, Britta being the only one to speak gnome is also pretty <laughs> incredible. Yes. Um, cause who would you then have had as the person to speak gnome? So from what I remember, uh, the, from what I remember, well, cause only Hector the well endowed was meant for someone. So I think that the, I remember hearing this on one of the other podcasts who discussed this, but I think the joke was the idea of um, Lavernica and Shirley, like Laverne and Shirley was supposed to be the pairing for that. Oh, so she was supposed to have that one as like their little joke, um, which I am so sorry because I cannot remember who, who, pointed that out, but it was another one of the 50 billion community podcasts that are out there. So mm-hmm. maybe it was Matt, maybe it was Matt from the community's account. It probably was actually. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> Thanks for the, the info. But yeah, I think that was supposed to be her character sheet. Um, and Hector the Well and Dad was obviously supposed to be Troy, but I don't, I don't know that we know necessarily who the yeah. other ones were actually meant for. Uh, I think that's Ooh. one of my favorite parts where he's like, 
I did that with Troy in mind. Like, <laughs> just like, just so like, matter of fact that he says it. And you're just yeah. like, everyone's just like, but Shirley's reaction is my favorite where she always is like, you don't meet CBC and say anything about Abed and Troy's weird little relationship. Like, oh, what, what episode was it where they were just like, they both look at each other and they're just like, they're just jealous. Yes, like, that was the, that was the romantic expressionism where she says that right before and then they mm-hmm. say they're, they're just jealous. Um, but then this one, her little like, oh, I bet you did comment is just so, right? so funny because she just, I love when she Again, gets to queer baiting. What? Queer baiting. Oh, yeah. Everybody loved Troy and Abed as a ship, but it would never happen. It's true. I just, I I never saw that. I always just thought, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a friendship I, am, I admire mm-hmm. right there. That's a good one. Because, like, I love, I think that's one of my favorite things about the show is anything after the credits when they're just together and they're doing mm-hmm. dumb stuff. Like, I think that's one of my favorite parts because you're just like, this is so stupid. But it's so funny because yes. it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And it's just them having fun and yeah. nothing's racist, really. Yeah. So I yeah. like when things aren't racist. I don't know. Oh, what? So what you're saying is Troy and Abed spinoff. Yes, I would watch Troy that instantly. In Donald would, Glover is... I would exactly. literally watch Troy and Abed in the morning, every morning, if it was a real thing that happened. <laughs> Unfortunately, Donald Glover is too busy for life, so... Well, you know, he can't imagine with what. I don't know <laughs> what. Um, they added him into the, like, text chat after... Yes, it's the live ratings. <laughs> I love we that might get that. I love that it's so true. That, like, you always have those text chains, and I have those people who are like, they're probably going to be mad at me if I add them to this because they're so busy. And that was, like, their reasoning was, like, you can see they're panicked. Oh, crap. Like, mm-hmm. were we supposed to actually add them to this? Like, you were, you were <laughs> in a Star War. Yeah, <laughs> you, were in a, you were in a Star War. Um, I love Abed uh, being the dungeon master. Like, I think that that... And that was actually something that, uh, on the commentary track, Joel makes a comment about where... He's like, I'm so impressed with Danny this episode because he has so much dialogue that he has to deliver. He's mostly the one that driving. Is so the much. It's a yeah. lot, and he's the one driving the entire episode. And I was like, when I rewatched it this time, I was like, oh gosh, yeah, he's like, he really has. Everyone else is kind of just ancillary, and they deliver lines here and there. But Abed is the one who is delivering pages of pages of uh, dialogue, and so Danny Pudi just. I always say this. I love Danny Pudi's performance and everything, but um, yeah, he's he's got a lot to do this episode, and I just love when like Britta gets so invested in her character and like is touching on that, and Jeff is like, "It's not real." She's like, "You would not dying." Like, <laughs> you wouldn't understand. And I'm like, "God bless." God bless her. I do. I do like. I don't think anyone else could have been the dungeon master though. Like, no mm-hmm. one else would have been able to do that in the way that he did it yeah. like i mean no i don't think anyone else i mean could. annie's the only one who would yeah. maybe come i was just about to say has that the energy to do that and like who would like go all in but yeah, yeah. i don't see anybody else going all in like no the effort yeah i think that's what i was thinking when i was like um uh, maybe Annie, but I think it's pretty much just Ahmed yeah. is the yeah. really the only one who could yeah. really have made this soar the way it did, like a Pegasus, if you will. So, um, <laughs> and I will. Annie so, was needed for Hector the Well and Down. My which gosh, is that scene! Maybe my favorite scene in all of season two. And just Danny's like her? reactions, because watching it's like everyone. a two-parter. 
<laughs> the best part is when she's clearly saying something and Troy just flips his character <laughs> and sheet over. Writing it down. <laughs> and it's and then I cuddle her for the appropriate amount of time. How long? How long that? is that? <laughs> he like doesn't even look, he's not even looking down at his paper. He just flips it and grabs the pen. It's like, how does Donald Glover steal that scene? And yet he does. <laughs> he steals everything. I I mean, we're not to get too off track. I hate the puppet episode so much, but he steals the puppet episode because he interacts with the puppet. He starts interacting with his own little puppet. I just feel like Donald Glover can do anything with whatever he's given. And this, yes. this episode proved that like with the little comedic like things that he had to do, it was some of the funniest because that is one of my first. And how, and how long is that? Everyone just looking and her just being very like satisfied of like what she's done and looking around the table and everyone just having no idea how to respond to it. <laughs> and then you see, like at the end you see Abed's hands like tied yeah. to be tied up. <laughs> and then he like and then he's like and then they collapse into each other's arms. And like it's so everything it's is so, so matter of fact. But like as you can see it because obviously it's a montage where yeah. it's, like, music and you can't actually hear what's being said. Everyone's yeah. like <laughs> but it's so great because of the fact that like she she does it very she starts off being like okay let's make a deal like let's do this matter of factly and this is the girl who in season one as Chelsea's one of her favorite episodes in the politics of human sexuality she's very repressed and uncomfortable and it's just so funny because she's so matter of fact in narrating this whole thing and everyone is just different levels of like intrigue slash like so confused and horrified that it is like Shirley's grasping her sweater um and it's it's so great it's just such a funny like it's just such a funny scene that I think she again her and Danny Pudi just nailed that absolutely and it's I love it it's like just like that little like minute and a half yeah <laughs> is just like one of the best things about the episode because yeah. it is it starts with her being super matter of fact you see donald glover flipping the thing it's like starting to take notes yes. and then, like once you could tell he was his arms are tied above his head yeah and then he just like <laughs> like the, that the whole minute and a half. Wasn't for the whole study group to listen to we didn't listen to what was being said we yeah her based on what we can yeah. do with lip reading but like the entire study room room has to like watch this scene unfold and it's like Troy's takeaway is like I'm going to take notes about this. like I, this is, that is it's like a minute and a half of just like uh joy because you're just like you know what's happening right now and it's so good uh, it's I so, guess I, think I guess those were Troy's additional notes. Those were <laughs> <laughs> those were the additional. I love notes, yeah. I love that that scene begins though with like with first of all, I don't know why. That's why my community quote of the episode. I don't know why Joel's delivery of angrily saying Pegasus is so funny to me, but it always is. <laughs> um, on a very shallow note, this is one of my favorite. Uh, Joel slash Jeff wardrobe moments is like I really liked the sweater combo. That's just putting that out there. Kudos to you, wardrobe department. You don't get enough credit. Um, but I really loved that he tried to start seducing Ovid as a character, and then he's like, "Yeah, I don't stop here. feel comfortable with this." <laughs> he's like trying to charm him, and it's just it's hilarious to me. But that's the only way you're going to get a Pegasus, exactly. And he. 
I like, I, I think that this whole episode is funny because everyone has different levels of investment slash understanding of what this game is. Obviously, Troy learns that he is correct in saying huzzah. And then another one of my favorite things is his sad delivery of huzzah. Like, <laughs> like delivers it so sadly. Um, and like him learning a little bit about like what this game is about. And um I like that everyone basically, I mean, I hate when people pick on Britta because I think Britta is hilarious, but Britta hilariously being like, I need to understand what's happening with these gnomes. Guys, we need to do something about this gnome crisis. <laughs> and being like, you're playing it wrong, Britta. Like, um, that's a part of the game. And then Jeff not understanding like whether or not Albert is actually, he's like, oh yeah, like a Pegasus is like, yeah, I can't tell if you're kidding because everything in this game sounds like dumb to me. So is that realistically what's happening? But I do love the montage of um, them walking and Abed so confirming that they're walking. I walk uh, with them. I walk with them. <laughs> it's so great. It's just, it's a really fun, um, really fun thing. So fun fact from the commentary for all of you who, who didn't listen to the commentary, don't own the DVDs. That opening credits scene cost Dan Harmon $4,000. So the special uh, special Dungeons & Dragons opening credits, he mentions that that is $4,000 worth of... And you know what? That was $4,000 well spent because I think it was the only way to introduce that episode. I do like the that. moment from the second it started until they get to the game, like there was no way... Yeah. No, there was no yeah. other way to start that episode. Like it perfectly set it up because it's like the music, the narration. Yep. You're like, all right, now I'm getting into it. I'm getting into the yeah. whole Dungeons and Dragons thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah, know what I ta- mean? So they talked about how they struggled with the idea of like what the cold open was going to be for a while um, until they landed on that. And then the narrator is actually the wife of one of the, I cannot remember uh, if it's like a producer or uh, I don't remember who, but it basically like they didn't they didn't hire her because she was the wife of someone who already worked on Community. Um, but I think that she's the fantastic a fantastic narrator for that. Um, and yeah, it's just like it's a very it's a really great epic way to open the episode before you you know get to them sitting around the study table and Troy awkwardly smiling over at Neil. Um, and just like them beginning this game. So it's really fun to like watch these people do things around the study table and for them to do like a role-playing game together was, was really fun. Um, and I just love all their different reactions to, to things and being like, Ooh, I have this, or Ooh, I have this, you know, ability to, to speak gnome. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, all right, guys, I don't think we can avoid it anymore. (laughs) We have to discuss Pierce and his awfulness. So this episode is incredibly hard for me to watch, as I have mentioned before. Like, I am one of those people who I can't do... So I I never rewatched the early season of The Office, like the first season, because I don't like cringe humor. That's not my thing. I cannot stand being uncomfortable. That's why, also, I hate watching any panels that ever have Q&A because I'm like, I'm getting secondhand embarrassment already. And it's like, no one's even asked a question yet. But this episode is really hard for me to watch because of how needlessly cruel and bullying Pierce is to Neil. And what was interesting was that I listened, as I said, I actually over prepped for this episode than I normally do. And I listened to the commentary and that was actually something that Andrew Guest and Joe Russo talk about is the idea of, um, Chevy being like, literally saying like, 
I feel like I'm being really, really mean in this episode. And then explaining like, yes, we need you to be a villain in this episode. We know it's over the top. Like, and we know that that's how this is, but this is how this episode has to be. Like it needs a villain and you're the villain. And so I thought that it was interesting that even within the context of the writing, there's an, there's a line about something up here says about like, uh, wiping his like Neil's like gravy tears or something. And I remember from the commentary, Andrew Guest and Joe Russo talk about the fact that like that particular line landed in oof, like response when it was being read. And that was what they were going for. It was something very harsh that like crossed that almost crossed that line, um, and made Pierce, very villainous. So I feel like they did a great job because that was their goal was for Pierce to be the villain and he 100% was. So I wanted to talk about how you, what you thought of the group's reactions to Pierce's behavior and what are your thoughts on Pierce's behavior itself? Well, if you've ever had somebody in your family, (laughs) and you can consider the Greendale 7 family, if you've ever had an addict in your family, you know that they do lash out, especially whenever they feel like people are against them or in any way. So I thought that part was very realistically portrayed because like, that is something that I had to deal with in my family a couple years ago. And I think they really got that part right and that that is going to happen and they get ugly and they're going to say some of the ugliest things. So I do think that was right. I think it's very hard to hear sometimes, especially whenever the person does not deserve it. But also that is a truth of life that really ugly things can come from people and they don't deserve it. And generally the person does not actually mean it. They're just lashing out. I mean, I'm not too much of a Chevy Chase fan to begin with because I used to watch old SNL when I was a kid um, because that's my type of nerdy. And um, I mean, he's not historically a very friendly person. He's not historically a very inclusive person. I mean, he left SNL, which is now in its 40 something the year um essentially because he doesn't think that anyone's as good as he is so I mean at least it's fitting that it's someone that I already dislike being in a role that I dislike it just makes it really it's kind of like um watching when they see us and Felicity Huffman is like the really awful detective like that was so easy to hate her because you know she cheated to try to get her daughter into uh, <laughs> school so that's an easy place to sit in but like I've never liked Pierce since day one so it yeah. didn't seem like it came out of yeah. left field for him yeah. to be that much of a jerk mm-hmm. and I think if it was a different actor then maybe we mm-hmm. would have a little bit more sympathy for him yeah mm-hmm. and then you'd be like oh this is somebody I want to help and stuff like say if it was someone like Ed O'Neill who just seems like a cool chill dude mm-hmm. you see him taking photos with Taylor Swift not knowing who she is for like her kids and <laughs> like for the kids and stuff and you just like, oh, if he was in this role and he was mm-hmm. saying these things and you knew he had a problem maybe you'd be like you'd have a little bit more sympathy for him. But because it's Chevy Chase and you already have all these pre-existing thoughts, it's a lot more difficult to have any sympathy because Chevy Chase sucks. Yeah. Like Jane Curtin 
is very open about how sexist and horrible he was on SNL when they were working together. And like, you can even see it whenever they had like a reunion on Oprah, I want to say it was. And Chevy Chase was still so awful. Yeah. And like the cast themselves has been, they all pretty much have either steered clear of the topic or have hinted at or directly addressed the issues of Chevy uh, being Chevy. Um, And so like that is, that is, it's very, it's very on brand for this. I, I never actually made the connection between Pierce at this timeline being like an addict and getting addicted to those pills and that being playing into the behavior because I feel like um, it just, I always associate Pierce as being like terrible. He's the person who says terrible things whenever, again, we go back to the idea of like, someone needs to make a racist joke. Well, obviously it's going to be Pierce. It can't be any of our other characters who you like and we're, we have to condition you to like. Um, but this one, obviously, like going into the commentary and knowing that their goal was to make it so over the top. And we, we even really kind of talked to um, Megan Gans about the idea of like they needed in season two, they really needed a villain and they, they wanted peers naturally fit that role for them without having to go outside of the study group to find an external villain. Um, they had one built into the study groups. They really leaned on that in season two. And as you, as you all know, this only continues as the season goes on. Um, and for this one, I feel like potentially the reason why I hate, I hate and cannot stand watching this one so much is that it is to someone who is not within the study group. Like there's a moment in, um, intro to political science in a few, or maybe the episode after this, I can't remember the order right now. I'm sorry, fans. Um, but the episode he, after this is the one where, um, Troy and Abed go on a date with the same person. Oh, that's romantic. Day. Okay. So it's in a couple of episodes. Sorry. Intro to political science is where we meet Vicky for the first time. And Vicky, we learn didn't lend Pierce a pencil and he it antagonizes her the whole episode for it. But then he gets his comeuppance because she shoves a pencil in his face. Um, and, but like for this a wonderful one, moment, such a great episode, such a great moment. But in this one, it is kind of maybe one of the first instances we've seen of him being excessively cruel to someone who isn't part of their group. Like we know that he can be cruel and we know he you know, picks on Britta and we know he talks about Jeff, but this is someone who we've just met as the audience. And Pierce is just really going in all in on being cruel. And so for me, that's like the addict part does make sense. Um, I don't think I really connected that. So thank you all for, for pointing that out there. So that does give me a different layer to look at this with, but. And I do think that like going back to what uh, Morgan said earlier, that maybe if this was something like, say if Pierce was bullying, like Troy or Jeff or somebody within the group and that it was a group thing that they were trying to work on together and fix like like an internal family issue then it would be a little bit better and more nuanced and it's something you could build from but of course the show doesn't build on things Mm -hmm. and it it's easier whenever it's somebody not in the group to just get past things because there is no commitment just like she said earlier that's true that's very fair so yeah so I see this is like Pierce is one of those characters where like the actor 
um, you know, is not very different from their character. Like it's yeah. like um, Leah Michelle and Glee. I have no problem saying that. I don't care. Come at me sideways. <laughs> there's no difference between Leah Michelle and Rachel Berry. So that's kind of like Alex, there's Alex no difference. Newell thanks you. There's no. So does Amber like, Riley. I mean, listen. So not a lot has brought me joy in 2020, but her comeuppance has brought me <sighs> so much joy. Um. Anyway, so there. Chevy Chase and Pierce mm. are not again are one of those things where it's like he's too good at it to not mm-hmm. think that um it's not real. Like you know that he's that good at that character, not because he's a great actor, but because he's that kind of person. Mm. Yeah. So um and again, same thing with Liam Michelle. I have no problem admitting that internet. Um <laughs> so you know, it's just one of those things and <laughs> I don't care. Come at me. I don't give a <laughs> shit. Sorry, I cursed. I'm sorry. I bet so anyway, you're, you're good. laughing so loud. Hard. She literally, yeah. Chelsea's muted herself because she is just <laughs> laughing hysterically. As long I'm as sorry. you're threatening to shit in someone's wig, I think. <laughs> I'm like not. That. No, no. Um, I mean, just if you're going to be an awful person, you're going to you're gonna get your come up. So anyway. I put my dog poop in Leah Michelle's yard. I would, for sure. Cooper can do it all he wants. Um... So, and I would not bring a bag. Um, so <laughs> I'm just saying. So I thought though that, I mean, like <sighs> the whole, f- every episode before this, there is not one episode where he doesn't say something awful, where he's not mm-hmm. being sexist, racist, misogynistic, um, ableist, like any of those things. Like he is being so awful all the time. Uh, homophobic obviously and mm-hmm. like you know like there was um it, it was I want to say it was the episode or two one of the few episodes before where he's literally pretending to be nice to Annie to blackmail her mm-hmm. to get her into doing what he wants in mm-hmm. the drug sketch yeah. right yeah. and it's and he's pro- just progressively getting worse to her and she even says you're a sick insane old man like Mm -hmm. what is wrong with you you know and um it's just like oh everything that comes out of his mouth is so awful and it's one thing to say like at the like when he's awful to Annie right she's Mm -hmm. like I'm not taking your money and I understand that you are a person who depends on people depending on you but I'm not gonna feed into that Mm -hmm. and um I'd rather be poor than take your money basically. And because he does blackmail people, he does lord things over people's heads mm-hmm. and you're like this is wrong. like he's a bad character and I understand mm-hmm. he's meant to be a really awful character in this but they I feel took it way too far. Like I understand what you're saying about, you know, the addict and everything mm-hmm. like that, but like some of these like okay, when um uh Shirley announces that she's pregnant and she's like he's like if you don't vote the way I want you to I'm gonna shatter your world Mm -hmm. and so she doesn't vote the way he wants and he says you slept with Chang and it's like Mm -hmm. what is wrong with you Mm -hmm. like why are you the worst character ever and then he never even apologizes to Shirley for doing that and you're like and he in in doing that to Shirley he does something to Troy and Mm -hmm. Troy says why would you do that but then he doesn't apologize to Troy either so you're like, you have this awful human already, like not even doubling down, like quadrupling down on being awful in this episode, again, to someone who he doesn't even really know, you know, like it's one thing to say, 
they're only doing this because Jeff feels bad about him having been the mm-hmm. person who started this. And that is probably true in like the whole, you know, uh, framing of the episode. That is probably why Jeff does feel bad and does do this. Cool. But he does say that's a severely depressed person and we are doing everything we can to make it so that he's no longer that way. Yeah. And you're just being even worse than you normally are. And that's not okay. Yeah. And like, he just keeps getting worse and there's never an accountability for his character. There's never an apology for his character. And I'm like, yeah. you're so awful. And you and like, has this been like an actual planned out storyline with an arc and like letting Pierce get to these low, lows and then like rock bottom and then coming back up and like having a little bit more redemption it would make so much more sense because that is life people have highs and lows we've all had those Mm -hmm. but it just never happens because every episode is very simpsonsy it resets and Mm -hmm. it just does something new there's a new concept a new thing they have to do whatever they have to just move on yeah and sometimes you just don't move on in life sometimes it takes a little bit of time for your relationship dynamics to change yeah and this this show doesn't really like it tries to stretch this idea of pierce being a villain out throughout the entire rest of the season like it it doesn't hinge on that from the first episode um but it starts to go okay well if we need someone to be antagonistic toward the study group then it's going to be pierce then he's gonna you know bequeath these terrible gifts to people and not learn anything or he's going to make uh, terrible remarks to this character, Neil, and not learn anything. Or he's going to um, try and trick the whole group toward the end of the season. And when he's called out on it, he's still not going to learn anything. Um, And I think that that's the problem is like, again, if Pierce had had these like moments, I love season, uh, you know, season one, Pierce is problem. Pierce is problematic from the beginning to the end of the show. But there are moments where I feel like the show was showing us glimpses of what it, he could be if they only cared to develop him like in beginner pottery. That's one of my favorite storylines is because Pierce and Jeff had these really, this really good conversation about how he's like, look, I, you know, I'm going to continue to try and push like I, and he like, wheels you know himself out on this like little boat into the parking lot and like that story if we would have continued to have like those kinds of things of like basic genealogy or like if he would have learned in the politics of human sexuality how to treat women better and we would have seen that actually an arc taking place I would feel maybe a little bit better coming into season two and going okay, you know, all this. And you're right. The reason why the show went so hard in this episode of Pierce being a villain was because they just said, we really need him to be terrible and awful. But that also really hinders the ending of this episode, in my opinion, um, because because it doesn't really hit the way that I think they want it to hit, um, which is feel bad for Pierce. He lost even he didn't learn anything. And this character is being super nice to him that he just bullied. And this character is going to be okay. I don't feel like the arc of like, you know, the whole reason Pierce says that he does this is because he gets excluded. Like he keeps getting excluded from things. So he's just going to go in and be needlessly cruel um, because he doesn't like being excluded. And if the group isn't going to include him, he's going to be, you know, he's going to force his way into the group. And if he can't force his way into the group, well, then he's just going to have to be against the group. And 
it's kind of the whole theme of season two is like, if Pierce can't be in the group, he's going to be against everyone. And I don't necessarily feel like they worked that storyline in a way that made sense. I feel like you have to choose one or the other. Like you can't tell me both is the case. Like both can't be true. You know, he can't be against the group, but then I'm also supposed to have sympathy for him because mm-hmm. he wants to be included and that's why he's lashing out. There are these, there's this very common thing that they go back to of like Pierce only does this because he's lashing out because he's insecure, because he wants to be part of something because he's always excluded. And they go through the the reasoning in the season two finale of like, well, he's a jerk because we exclude him. And then Jeff being like, well, we exclude him because he's a jerk. And like, that's, the show really doesn't say anything beyond that. It's like, see, <laughs> this is the story, but it really I think in order for for you to have a compelling villain, you need to choose a side. You need to like make him a full villain and be against the group. And I'm actively having to root against Pierce. Or you're going to try and say that like you're going to give him a redemption arc that makes sense. But the show really didn't do either. They like did mm-hmm. both. And it didn't work for me in that sense. No. I think if you set him up to be so awful all the time... You really got to commit to the redemption arc because if you don't, it's going to fall flat. Mm-hmm. And and if you and then at the end of the day, if it falls flat, why'd you try in the first place? Mm-hmm. Why'd you bother? Yeah, because obviously you don't really care for him to have a redemptive arc. So, so then it became like season three's documentary episode where they're just like, we'll just put him in a trailer and not write. And not write a story for him, and like we'll oh, just I have put a him pitch over here. for this whole episode. Oh, we rewrite it. We cut right. Pierce out. We tell it from Neil's point of view because I think it's really missing more mm-hmm. of Neil's point of view. It's everybody mm-hmm. talking about Neil, and no, Neil doesn't have an opportunity to speak for himself. So let's do that. That's oh, I like a, that. That's smarter. Let's just get rid of Pierce, or like. He's just a fixture that gets kicked out of the room. Mm-hmm. Like very early on, he's like the first. And stays out. And he stays out. Yeah. And somehow, I do like the compelling the compelling thing of like, I do like that idea of Jeff feeling guilty for making this nickname. I think that it would have come better from like, you know, Troy accidentally letting it slip because that is something that Troy would do. Like not intending, like good intentions mm-hmm. of like accidentally revealing that like, or and then make the going. episode between the two characters being like, hey, you did this to me. Let's try to see how we navigate this. Mm-hmm. Like, and actually getting to know each, because it, it does set it up as a very, like, we're all here to save Neil. Um, and again, we we feel bad for Neil because of the brief backstory that we get. And we feel, we, we mostly feel bad for Neil in this episode because of the way that Pierce treats Neil, mm-hmm. not because of, the thing that Jeff did, which really kind of started this whole thing, it did start this whole thing. Like this is actually the the story begins with Jeff making that nickname. Um, and so I think that like, if we would have started from that place and made it about the group reckoning with what they did and what they do unintentionally and maybe focusing on like, yeah, why do we, why do we talk about people like that? Because, I mean, the, the, again, the Asian Population Studies episode talks about how they all make nicknames for people around the school, and they, like, call them by these nicknames because they don't bother to learn their names. Like, let's make some consequences for that. Like, 
let's talk about that as a thing that the group has to reckon with because we we deal with this idea later on about the group not being beloved by the rest of the school. Like they kind of all hate these people and with good reasoning because they take up so much of the class time. So like, let's start the foundation for that story there and talk about like the group reckoning with the fact that they didn't mean this to be hurtful necessarily, but um, now they have consequences and let's deal with those consequences and what are the consequences of treating other people as if they're not people like, uh, you know, and giving people nicknames that, you know, it's just easier than, than quote unquote learning their names or whatever. I would have rather seen something like that than Pierce Mm -hmm. bullying someone needlessly because the, the emotional end of this episode. So this episode spends, we spend a lot of time going back and forth of Pierce comes in, tries to ruin everything, eventually kicks himself out of the Dungeons Dragons room and then goes off into his own room, tries to uh, basically destroy the whole game and the study group, is not successful, and the group beats him, and then they all leave, and the episode ends with Neil basically extending some sort of olive branch and grace to Pierce um, by saying that, like, that was the best game of D&D that I've ever played, like, want to do it again sometime, and Pierce, like, kind of just, like, shrugging and being like, I don't know, maybe. And I don't feel like that emotional climax is earned because I feel like Neil is way too nice. Like we, you you set up this character that we don't know to be like way nicer than the study group who just ups and leaves and doesn't even want anything less, uh, you know, to do with Pierce anymore. And now I'm supposed to believe that this one character who's been incredibly bullied and doesn't get apologized to by Pierce wants to spend more time with him. Like, I hated it. I hated it so much because I don't know if they were trying to just like write it so that like, you know, Neil took the higher road or whatever and he, or he saw Pierce for what it really was or whatever. But I was, I hated it. I hated it so much because he should have been like at the end been like, do you not see the problem with what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Like, and they, cause they do say at the end when he said again, he learned nothing. Yeah. Like the whole point should have been like, he should have learned something and mm-hmm. he should have learned like cruelty takes you so far. And you know, I mean, it doesn't take you anywhere, but like, you know, you have to find a point where you're like, Oh my God, I am being unnecessarily cruel to this person that doesn't deserve it because of my, I'm getting in my own way basically. So you're like, for him, for them to even put that into the thing where it's like, he learned nothing. Well, you had the opportunity to say, how do we teach Pierce a lesson from being this horrible human being? But then they wouldn't do that because then they wouldn't have gotten to keep Chevy Chase in the way that they did because they would have underutilized him and they would have had to change like his whole character. And you're only in season two. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel like they were just like, man, we'll make him learn nothing. It's fine. Bye. <laughs> like... It shouldn't, like, I I wish they would have just had Neil say something like, like I said, being like, why why are you so unnecessarily cruel to me? I haven't, I don't even know, we're not even friends. We don't even know each other. You shouldn't treat people the way that you treat people. Like, I wish it would have been more like that than... Yeah. Or like even just ending like with him asking a question like, you know, why are, you know, even just poising that question of like, why are you doing what you're doing? Like, you know, I feel like, again, they talk about this in the episode of like, I pity Pierce Hawthorne, like kind of uh, mentality, but like for, 
for him to Neil to turn around and just be like, Hey, um, so I don't know why you're doing what you're doing, but, um, if you don't change, this is what's going to happen. And maybe you should think about that. And like ending a narration with like, and Pierce decided to think about that. Like, we don't have to have him like completely do an about face at the end of this episode, but I would have liked for there to be some acknowledgement of like Pierce needs to learn at some point. And this was the chance. This feels like it should have been the lowest point of him to have a character say, why are you doing this? Maybe you should, maybe you should stop being so cruel and think about why you're being so cruel. And then you could have had an arc where Pierce tries to reckon with being an addict but again that requires an arc being written and a and a plumb line that goes throughout the season and they needed pierce to be the villain so they needed him to learn nothing but like you're saying megan it comes to a point where you're like well yeah but if you wanted him to learn nothing then you shouldn't have had the character like forgive him at the end of the episode right. while he didn't learn anything <laughs> it's like why do all of these people like again it goes back to this idea of like why do all of these decent enough people continue to hang out with this terrible person when he learns absolutely nothing and continues to be terrible? So like, why would, why are they doing this if he's not learning anything and continuing to be a villain? And I think that the show didn't know how to do both. And it goes back to that. You can't have it both ways. You need to have him learn a lesson and grow Otherwise, we're going to start to question why all of these people are still friends with this person who is horrible to all of them. Like, and another pitch. I think this episode could have been longer to explore all of this stuff. Like, this is the first time I think community could have really been an hour long. Yeah. And we could have really got to know Neil in the first hour and slowly have Pierce maybe be villainous because they maybe... They think he's getting, he thinks he's getting replaced. Then Mm -hmm. that's a reason for him to lash out. And then maybe Neil understands where he's coming from. And then they bond by the end of it because they both understand what it's like to be outsiders in many ways. Mm -hmm. Like there are a lot of different ways you can write this to make it better because there are a lot of great things. Like the middle part of this, like the second act is really good. Yeah. It's really just the first and third acts that you got to worry about. Yeah. Nuance was never always community's strong suit when it came to storytelling. <laughs> it's like that needed what you're what you're pitching, Chelsea, needed nuance and commitment. Uh and that was not no, my screenwriting classes paid off. <laughs> uh Chelsea, I think you have plenty of opportunities to add uh I don't think so, honey, from Matt and Bowen. I don't think so, honey. <laughs> these thoughts because um yeah, it's a lot of I don't think so, honey, Pierce Hawthorne and... Uh, oh my goodness, that is my whole feelings of Shirley. I don't think so, honey. How dare they treat her the way she they did? Especially, uh-huh. like, even in this episode, like, mm-hmm. she has only a handful of lines and, like, she doesn't even get to have a moment during the Dungeons and Dragons. Like, she doesn't mm-hmm. get to really have a character moment. No, her character is zippity doo. That is also kind of racist. <laughs> yeah, just to kind of tie that back. Yeah, in. yeah. Oh, well, um, did right. anyone have anything else that they would like to add about Dungeons and Dragons? The positive, the negative, the anything in between. 
I did correct this in the show notes, but it's because Emily Vanderwerf made a point of it on Twitter this week. Um, That's true. The Dungeons and Dragons episode is not a bottle episode. A bottle episode is where you're staying in one specific location for budget purposes. It's not like a different episode. Mm -hmm. And this, they distinctively in flashbacks go to different locations and have so many extras. And that costs money. Yeah. They spent an extra four grand on opening credits. So yeah, if you see the Friends episode where they're trying to get ready and they're just going in and out of an apartment, that's because they had to save money. That's a bottle episode. (laughs) Yeah. The actual bottle episode. The actual bottle episode, cooperative calligraphy, is a bottle episode. Yes, this one has... um, this one has a slight bottle episode feel to it, but it is not technically a bottle episode. It, They're just in the study room yeah, more often it, than not. Yeah. It has a it has a confined feel to it, but it's not technically one. Um yeah, so so that was that was Dungeons and Dragons, and it was advanced. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oof, I hate that I quoted Pierce. I do. Have I, do. I had to cut anything yet? No. Look at you. Look, Look do at not you. cut the Leah Michelle stuff. Oh, no. oh, we're not cutting it. <laughs> Don't cut any of that. <laughs> Don't cut it. It's gold. No. Podcast gold. Um I said everyone, what I said and I meant it. I yeah, gosh. Um this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate everyone's uh commentary on this episode. Obviously, um it never really ranks high on my list of favorites just because I don't feel like I have an attachment to Dungeons and Dragons. I feel like people who really love this episode are, I'm I'm not going to apologize for this. Most of them are like white men who play Dungeons and Dragons. So I think that that influences your favorites. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It just is, it is what it is, <laughs> um, which is why I don't have an attachment to it. Um, I think rewatching it and listening to the commentary and thinking about it, this is a really good episode to think about critically. Um, and I think that that is what this episode gave me more of an appreciation for this time around was how much it made me think about the show and about discussions about the show. So that's why I appreciate it this time around. Yeah, I think it had a lot, a lot in these 22 minutes. It packed a lot of things that could be open for serious discussion, like Pierce being just the worst yeah and you know the blackface mm-hmm. the whole mental health aspect i think there's a lot to unpack here yes. um and like i said it has just a minute and a half of just pure gold from the series <laughs> you know is it my favorite episode no is it a good one yeah mm-hmm. did it need work yes, yes. <laughs> it that work is- that is where we land on that. Oh gosh. Morgan, Megan, this is so much fun for you guys to come on. I love having you both. Um, Chelsea, whatever, you're fine too. <laughs> uh, don't exaggerate. <laughs> so um, before we start into our last couple of questions to wrap up our episode, uh, tell people where they can find you, where they can follow you, anything you would like to promote. Oh, Morgan, you're going to run through it quicker than I will. So you can go ahead. Um, I'm on Twitter at MSML Roberts. The MS is um, because I'm a lady and that <laughs> confuses people. Um, I write for 
in their own league and shuffle online, which you can also find in my Twitter bio. Megan. Oh, okay. It's my turn. This is long. Okay. <sighs> okay. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at M I S S. I am also a miss, but I just went with the full, full thing. <laughs> uh, miss Megan Man. And then you can also find me on Instagram at Ginger and Champagne, which is my bookstagram account, which is a really good one. And then I am also on, uh, I co-host the podcast Once Upon a Stream, which is a Disney Plus podcast. And then another podcast coming soon with Chelsea. Yay! Yeah. Go, it's Those gals have moxie. It might mm-hmm. be out by the time this goes up. I don't know our calendar anymore. I don't know. I haven't checked. I haven't checked. Um, Chels, before we go into our questions, where can people follow you? I am Chels725 on Twitter and Letterboxd. Please go over there. I'm watching a lot of Katherine Hepburn movies Mm -hmm. that are on HBO Max right now. Oh, really? Yes. The TCM collection. Again, I'm 97 (laughs) years old. (laughs) We fully discussed this in our last episode of the new podcast. We're like, you know what's really good? Turner Classic Movie. And like, we just <laughs> launch into it. For, oh, and I remember the third one because I was trying to remember there was a day where like I did nothing but watch TCM because in a row it was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers on the town and Singing in the Rain. Oh, so I just watched right. all three in a row and it was the I, I just want ever. everyone to know the noise in the background you just heard was my dog picking up his water bowl and throwing it He's been giving me why some daggers. Why is Snoop so insistent on being in this podcast? Like he just wants to be part. Of, <laughs> he just wants, wants to be where the people are. Known. <laughs> he wants to be where the people are. If you can um, find my Instagram. My yeah. gosh. Amazing. Um, yeah. So obviously you can follow us on Twitter at COMM Rewatch Pod and on Instagram and we're at Community Rewatch over there. So our last couple of questions for everyone. Um, what is one piece of media, be it a book, a TV show, a film, a podcast from a um, Black, Indigenous or person of color creator and or featuring Black men and women, Indigenous people or people of color that you would like to include? encourage people to consume this week. Chels, I always start with you. So let's start with you this time too. Well, I know this is a movie Megan likes because I just pulled up my letterbox to read the description. It is the delightful film that came out in 2019, Blinded by the Light. I do love that movie. If if you... Oh my it's all goodness. Bruce Springsteen a, music. Uh, it's all Bruce Springsteen. It's about a young man who discovers Bruce Springsteen and it like helps inspires him to write. And it is just so delightful. It's uh, directed by Gurinda Chadas. I hope I'm saying her name right. She directed um, Bend It Like Beckham which is just like so good. And then like so many other great movies, just go watch everything she's ever done and you'll just be delighted. It's joy. It's serotonin. And I, I, let me see, where is it? Where is it streaming these days? Because it is, it is so nice. Mm. I don't know how to describe it besides it's delightful. It's Mm. joyous. Mm -hmm. It's inspiring. It's family. It's everything. Mm. It's all. I don't even like that. Oh, I don't even like I can watch it. I don't even like Bruce Springsteen music, but at the end you find out it's a true story and you're like, whoa. <laughs> I know. Like the like it's so like you don't you think, oh, it's kind of like a movie like yes, not like yesterday, but like it centers around mm. one specific no, musician. Yesterday is like not a good movie. I, 
Did you hear what I said? I said it centers around one artist music. That's what I said. So I just have to put that out there because I also saw yesterday last year and hated it. And I love Lily James. I've watched some garbage for her, but I hated yesterday. That's fair. I'm saying it's like centered around one specific musician's music. I didn't say that they were comparably good. (laughs) So, and it's, it's so like you're watching it. And then at the end, they're like, by the way, this is a true story. And you're like, what? Like it's, oh. It's so good. I will agree. And I think you saw that probably because it came up on Letterboxd that I like rated it high. Bless. Oh, yeah. Because um, I saw it in theaters. It was a special screening and they had like a short documentary about the making of and like Bruce Springsteen and the director and how they all connected. And it was just awesome. So I just recommend it if you just okay. need some joy in your life. And again, Aww. like I was not a big Bruce Springsteen fan. Yeah. Like I liked his music fine, but it's just so delightful. We all need some joy in our lives at this point, do we not? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, speaking of things that I have watched because I now, thanks to Chelsea, have HBO Max, um, I, I finally got around, it's a million years late, a couple weeks ago to watching Birds of Prey. So directed by Kathy Yan and star- starring some fabulous women of color. Um, I really loved it. And I don't have a attachment to DC comics movies. I'm more of a Marvel watcher. I don't think, I mean, there are people. I loved Wonder Woman. I will put that out there, but I don't really have, I don't really have any sort of attachment, but I was just so dang delighted by it. And also uh, it was one of the examples that I know I saw it um, floating around on Twitter or uh, somewhere about how you can tell a woman directed it because there is that scene with a hair tie because women who are in fight scenes who have long hair would need hair ties because their hair would So I too would get murderous and petty if somebody destroyed my sandwich. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) My gosh. I, I I love that it was a... I love that it was a movie where you were like, oh, okay, I can tell that a woman was behind the lens for this. You know, it's really cool to just... Also, Journey Smollett, Journey Smollett uh, is having is... the best year. She is everything mm-hmm. that we do not deserve. It's true. She really, really is. And I watched this before I started watching Love, uh, Lovecraft Country, obviously, because I watched this a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it. And I did not know really what to expect going into it um, because I'm Same. not a DC person, but... I adored it. So Birds of Prey is my wreck. I'm going to go down the the Zoom call here and say, Morgan, you're next. Um, so my recommendation would be the uh, Nia DaCosta film, Little Woods, which is currently on Hulu. Um, it's it, so good. It's incredible. Um, I actually wrote about it last year for um, the Directed by Women publication and um it recently just played at the femme filmmakers um festival over at filmotomy um it's really just a beautiful film about women supporting each other and loving each other and not only being damsels in distress but also being the cowboy in a sense that saves the day because it's a little bit of a Western Mm -hmm. and uh, Tessa Thompson's in it. And of course she's incredible. And it also has Lily James just for full circle. A good Lily James (laughs) movie, but also Tessa Thompson should have won an Oscar this past. 
poor little ones. I will say it as loud I as mean, I can. I mean, there are so, so many times that that woman has been overlooked for just everything. the most. Yeah. I mean, let's just start with dear white people and just continue down we'll her just filmography. Every, let's just go down this. Um, but yeah, so that's especially, so I've been trying to watch a lot of um, films lately by women. And so that was one that I actually revisited and um, it's, you don't just cry on planes when you watch that film. You just cry everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I saw that at a local film festival before it had distribution and it just knocked me out in a really good way. Like it's tough to watch in many parts because it, it does feel so real, but it just is so good. And you just fall in love with those characters and you mm-hmm. just want the best for Tessa Thompson. Like at every moment you're cheering for her and it's so good. And it's mm-hmm. under two hours, everybody. So I love yeah. movies that are and not we love long. things that are under two yes, hours. Let's do. be real. Nia Dukas yeah. is getting ready for Candyman and she's going to be doing Captain Marvel too. Uh, yes. yes. I'm so excited. Yes. <laughs> Bring Tessa Thompson into this. It's meant to be. It's true. Megan. Okay, so I'm going to cheat and I have two. Uh, but they're two different mediums, so it doesn't count. Um, <laughs> so the first one is the TV show I May Destroy You, which uh. is on... <laughs> See? Collectively, it's fine that I've said it because you all had the same reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, which you can watch on HBO Max. Um, it is <sighs> so important and so good. And so... It's just a masterpiece. Yeah. And if we're talking about HBO shows that you should also watch created by women of color, Chelsea knows how I feel very strongly about Issa Rae. So watch Insecure Mm -hmm. as well, because it is the- We are a big Issa Rae fan here. Big Issa Rae fan. We're going to be an Insecure rewatch podcast at some point. I will be on every episode. (laughs) Um, Yes. I love that show so much. It's got it got nominated for Emmys, mm-hmm. and it's just something you should watch pre Emmys if you have not watched it. Mm-hmm. So I made sure you and Insecure. They're both on HBO Max. Have a good time. And then there is a book that just came out last Tuesday, and it is called Sanctuary by Paola Mendoza, and it's basically a very critical look at what America is on track to become if we are not smart about our future. Um, It is about a not so distant future America where um, this girl and her little brother are watching a hologram on their phone of a girl approaching the great American border wall. And um, she steps on a landmine and all this stuff like her explodes and um they start they create this um this uh deportation force and we everyone has chips placed in them microchips in them to state their uh status as a citizen and they start rounding up people who have faulty chips or no chips and deporting them or putting them in labor camps and this girl and her brother get uh, separated from their mom and they're trying to find sanctuary in California, which has um, seceded from the uh, country and has become a sanctuary for immigrants. And it is a very critical look at where we are now and where we'll be. Like reading it is terrifying because you're like, none of this sounds 
impossible. All, everything about this book sounds absolutely 100% plausible. And that's what's terrifying about it. Yeah. It is an incredible book. I cannot stress how everyone should read it. Paola Mendoza, Sanctuary. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Also, I promise we're not sponsored by HBO Max, but if they would like to sponsor, we are very open. Very open. I'm able. I'm willing. <laughs> we're willing and able to be sponsored. Most of our recs came from HBO Max. It's true. Yeah. It's it's um it's very true. Uh, and in the next episode that I record uh, in a couple days, I will have another recommendation from HBO and HBO Max. Yep. You know, um, if you would like to sponsor us, we're we're definitely willing. Um. Again, I cannot thank everyone enough for for being on this episode. And um, Morgan and Megan, we're obviously going to have you guys back. This was so much fun. Yeah, um, did you miss how I'm yeah. going to be on every episode of the Insecure yeah. podcast? No, like, we're just going to turn this you into missed once, it. once we end community, it's going to become a everything in the kitchen sink podcast <laughs> where we talk about every We're going to be show. a single parents, mythic yes. quest, happy endings, new girl, insecure podcast. All right, there we go. I, I will be on every episode of the Insecure <laughs> yes. like portion of this show. It's only 8, 24, 8, 16, 24, 34 episodes so far. So there you go. I got 34 hours ahead of me. That's, 60 that's if right we're lucky. We do. That's right, we do. Um, so thank you both. And since this is a community rewatch podcast, I wanted to check in with everyone and see what's one thing that you're currently rewatching or that you enjoy rewatching. Chelsea, we'll go with you again. So again, back to HBO Max. Last <laughs> night I rewatched the Philadelphia story because again, movies under two hours. Delightful. This film's 80 years old. It's great. It holds up. Carrie Grant is super hot. And then so after, hot. <laughs> canonically, possibly the hottest man that's ever lived. Like honestly, let's just put that out there. I him have or a Paul lot of Newman. feelings about him. Mm. I ha- oh, don't talk Paul about. Newman. Can't talk about Paul Newman. I'm going to have some things that I feel like I can't say on the podcast. We're going to have to talk about Paul Newman. Newman. Don't do it. <laughs> I got so yeah, after this after this podcast, I'm going to be rewatching another Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn. Is it like, his, oh no, they weren't bringing up baby. Bringing up baby <laughs> again. Canonically hot. <laughs> <laughs> he is, but seriously though, like uh one year. So for those of you who aren't 97 years old, um every year I know August, I saw this in theaters. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. <laughs> so every year in August, Turner Classic Movies does the Summer Under the Stars, and each day for 24 hours it only plays that actor actress's movies. So every year, like at the end of July, I get really excited to see what my birthday is. And one year it was Paul Newman and one year it was Cary Grant. And I was like, they're speaking to me specifically. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Like it was. And then like one year, my mom's birthday was Catherine Hepburn. And I was so excited. Oh yeah. I'm 97 years old too. So sorry for those of you (laughs) who are not our age. (laughs) I know not everybody saw bringing up baby in theaters. Theaters, right? (laughs) Right. It was only five cents too. Oh my goodness. Such a steal. Such a you know, steal. Such a steal. Only thing we can do in the depression. But <laughs> they don't make movies like they used to. Let me tell you, them prices—they've shot up. Yeah, but now we have two ninety-seven. Oh, wait, wait, wait! Podcasts. They actually do have like 
movies that only cost like a some a nickel or a dime or something at right AMC. now yeah don't go, go to movie to theaters come. it's not safe don't go to movie theaters <laughs> see again safe. we're bringing it back to the beginning where i would tell people safe. one thing about myself and be very dishonest and i am not actually 97 years old for the record i just act like it um less um so i mentioned it earlier and i already mentioned this and i will continue to mention this but i am deep into my crazy ex-girlfriend rewatch because i realized i hadn't rewatched the whole series from start to finish it is so delightful um yeah and i've just been kind of in addition to that and the train of like what happy movies can i watch and so i've been going back to just some really great Disney uh, movie, so I mean, Moana. Again, Moana Jen, I just if you need a happy something. movie, I will take you up on your recommendations. This is what the Philadelphia story. Imagine, okay, I will tell you the story of the Philadelphia story, <laughs> oh how this gosh. movie came to be after Morgan okay. promotes her thing because it's just funny. <laughs> okay, so so Morgan, what are you currently rewatching, or what do you enjoy? Re-watching? Um, so I'm gonna cheat and do two. Um, so Fleabag is kind of my go-to, um, you know, you can crush that in a day. Um, and then my always go-to is Glow, uh, just to kind of bring that to Allison Free. Um, but Glow is something that I rewatch very frequently. Um, I dressed up as Zoya the Destroyer for Halloween. <laughs> I had to make it work appropriate though, because I did go into the office with like black lipstick and a fl- Soviet flag. Um, but Proudy. yeah. Very it, casual. Yeah. It, I mean, it was a good Thursday look. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, Alison Brie and Betty Gilpin. Oh, so good. Dynamic so good. duo. I will say on the topic of Alison Brie, I love the frequent mentions of Mad Men on community and she's mm-hmm. just there. Yep. Like <laughs> she's just right there. And she, she does not interact with any of those comments, but it's like, there was one in season one where he's like, that's very Don Draper of you. And it's like, she's right there. <laughs> she's right there. I do find it fun when shows do that. Oh, um, Megan, what are you rewatching or what do you like rewatching? Uh, I like Chelsea due to being 97. Also very much like rewatching old movies. Like I said, there was one day during quarantine where I did not leave bed and I watched Seven Brides for Seven Brothers on the town and um, Singing in the Rain. So while I do love regular old films, I really do love Hollywood musicals from that time. Um, They make me very happy. They've kept me somewhat sane during this gestures broadly. Um, But I do like watching like also dramas over and again because I like to upset myself. (laughs) Um, Like Sons of Anarchy and Justified. Um, Though Sometimes it's not for the storytelling. It is to look um, very inappropriately at Charlie Hunnam and um, <laughs> uh, Timothy Oliphant. Um, I have no shame. Um, <laughs> yeah, Something and like transition to a very like podcast like therapy i'm like, trying voice. to like not sound as objectifying as i'm being um oh although i do i will say i will go back and rewatch. and sadly it was canceled on a cliffhanger um 
every episode of um oh my god it just left my brain because i was i'm picturing <laughs> timothy elephant um <laughs> santa clarita diet there we oh, go so yeah. if you want something that is super funny that shouldn't have been canceled netflix was being rude and honestly netflix should have reevaluated itself during this time mm-hmm. and realized we deserve better um and should not have canceled santa clarita diet because it was a joy and it also, was also i met drew barrymore this year and she was a delight and kind and so so lovely exactly i feel like her and timothy oliphant were like a match made in heaven and netflix was rude and they should really think about what they've done and bring it back for me specifically. <laughs> <laughs> you and you heard it here, people. <laughs> um, so, Chelsea, Morgan, Megan, thank you so much for joining our episode about Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. It was such a delight to have you all here. Even you, Chelsea. <laughs> 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 okay, and, I'm sure um, people are going to listen to this one and be like, wow, that wow. Megan girl, she's something. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, seriously, thank you all. And, um, you know what? We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Community Rewatch podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, be sure to follow along with us wherever you get your podcasts. And we're on Twitter. So follow us at, at C-O-M-M Rewatch Pod for general funness for new episodes and to maybe get some sneak peeks of what's to come. Many, many thanks to our editor, Chelsea Eichels, for putting together today's episode. And thanks to Maddie Shook for designing the key art for this podcast. Again, we're so glad to go back to Greendale with you. So thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.